You're listening to the Rogers Sporting Goods Podcast. This is Aaron Jones. This is Chandler Smith, and I hate long intros, so let's get into it. Are we officially <laughs> recording? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea where this podcast is going to go today. So we're just going right. to wing it. No. Pat, yeah. you got any deer on camera? I am... I've got a couple that I've seen over the last few years, but I'm I'm late to the game this year, um, so it's a little bit different because they do the farmer rotates, and so a lot of my sets that I put around the field, it's a lot easier to do when it's beans. Yeah, you were telling me about that. It's hard to get, and he plants right up to the tree line, so it doesn't leave you any room except maybe walking. No, so it, yeah. I mean, I I'll do some in the in the timber but during the summer you know it's just tough when he starts once he gets planted it's so tough you to, can't drive back there you got to do it on foot exactly and when you're trying to carry a bunch of gear and in minerals and all that stuff to set up and it's I mean, infinity it's degrees outside yeah can't have well, enough water <laughs> right so we've got dustin huff in here and we were talking about What's your what? How you hunt now? The past couple of years from what you used to do, and you wait mm-hmm. to go in now. So I think I'm gonna use the the same principle because I would, you know, September 15th starts. You'd be out there, and I every weekend. Yeah. Well, all you're doing is and, blowing and, deer out, and more cameras and more stands, and and I started thinking back to when me and Sonia started hunting together, and we're Ten years ago now, nine years ago, we used to see way more deer. And part of that, though, was us just not, you know, the pressure. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll hold off this year. Mm-hmm. There you go. Sneak yeah. in unexpected. Yeah. So I'll yes. put a few out, but a lot of it, too, is visual. And, and her dad lives close, too, so he kind of keeps an eye on. Yeah. He's like my own trail camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many times do you hear deer stories about shooting this big buck at a place that they never go to or it's just a brand new set they put out and they just you know they don't look back here or they don't go back here they never hunt this side or whatever or deer that randomly show up during a rut that's the magic <laughs> yeah. of the rut deer well, that yeah. you've never seen so i mean i've heard a lot of that mm-hmm. so i know there's some like sanctuaries that people create by accident and that you can tap into if you right you know well that one year that um Beth has it hanging on her wall. It's a deer oh, we yeah. never saw. Yeah. Ever. And we pull the trail camera cards and check them after that day's hunt. It was opening day of rifle. And we're flipping through, and that deer showed up like three days before. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it. We'd had trail cameras, thousands of pictures during the summer, early fall never seen it i got just one deer up. last fall it was november 20th and he's he's shooter buck and i got three pictures four pictures of him one morning like a thursday morning at like seven in the morning i've never seen him since it's like they set their own pattern yeah and oh, they yeah. just do their own thing he he wasn't a local buck staying there by the farm he was on a walkabout from lord only knows where but i got four pictures of him one morning and i've never seen him again so they yeah. do that yep do you use trail well, you were showing us some pictures, but do you put out a bunch of cameras or just not really? Nope. I had one trail cam out for like two weeks of 
the first week of October till about the 14th, and then took it down. Just I never put it back up. Yeah. But whenever I was in high school, I ran two or three on that farm. But like I always felt like I would go to where the camera was. So now I just, you know, I've killed enough deer on that property that I just go to where I kill deer or where my dad's killed deer, where I've seen the most deer. I mean, it's, you know, once you hunt it long enough, it's, you can try to pinpoint them deer, but bottom line, you got to get lucky and get them to walk by. Yeah, I wonder if we overscout too much. And that's what I think, man. I These past two years, I didn't, I would come in third week of, third or fourth week of October, wouldn't touch the woods with cameras or nothing, and I've seen more deer the past two years than I've seen on that property ever just by staying out of it yeah no. I, I, there's probably a correlation there mm -hmm. so you've heard that was dustin huff you just heard he's um he's shot the largest typical deer last year last fall in 21 in the united states history largest white-tailed deer ever harvested in the u.s which is crazy so <laughs> we'll let him talk a little bit about yeah. that more we've got chandler yep and patrick and Aaron. Yeah. So that's this week's topic. I would say whitetail hunting, giant deer, and yeah. When this pos podcast release, it's you know it's getting close to you. Know, you should be prepping, getting mm -hmm. all your your deer hunting stuff figured out as far as stands and mm -hmm. and you know archery equipment if you're starting early on in the early September, you know mid September days and whatnot. Waterfowl weekends come and gone, and we're talking big bucks. Yeah. So Dustin, yes. I mean. Deer hunters are probably going to know your name right off the bat, know you know your picture and everything, seen you on social media. But if we have a bunch of waterfowl guys listening, they might not know. Mm -hmm. So Aaron just explained, you know, the huff buck and what you shot. Kind of go through just the buck, and then maybe we might start telling the story. Like if you're, you know, starting, you know, if you were going to write a book about it, you know, kind of tell what happened and everything. Because these a lot of these guys might not have heard the story that's been out already. Okay, so um, moose, a, aka the huff buck. Uh, scored 211 and four eights, net typical. Um, it's the number two in the world behind the Milo Hansen buck, which was in Canada, uh, number one in the USA, uh, which surpassed the uh, James Jordan buck, um, and it held uh, the 107-year reign U.S. record typical, and it broke that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That's quite the, the reign it's, ahead of your buck. It's crazy. So y your name might be in the number one spot there in the U.S. for quite some time. That's that would that's, be nice. That's crazy to think about that. The last guy was there for 107 years. Yeah, and that's why I just can't. I mean, it's just still so nuts to me. So yeah, start out with the like that, that hunt that day, or you know what you're doing, just kind of so you can kind of lay lay the story out for everybody. Yeah. So I hunted that morning, which I was hunting that whole week. Um, but I'll just take you from that day. So. November 4th morning, I got up in my set stand, well, one of my set stands, the buddy stand, and uh, I seen eight or nine deer that morning. It was a good morning. Um, never never shot nothing. Um, so I knew I was going to go back there that next morning. So November, I was already planning for November 5th because I seen eight or nine deer that morning. And uh, that evening, well, I got out of the stand probably lunchtime, 12, 1230. So I hunted from dark to well morning till lunchtime and uh went back got a sandwich and i wasn't like i said i was going to leave that set stand for the next morning so this was just kind of my i just took my climber out and 
um, threw it in the back of the Jeep and went to the woods and I remember stepping out and I just looked around and I was like, man, do I go back to the Great Divide? Do I go back over to the east side? And I just decided I was going to go back to this old four-wheeler trail that I used to hunt when I was in high school. I used to hunt this pretty hard. I mean, it was a well-tracked you know, well four-wheeler trail, but now it's all grown up and logs all over it. But I decided to dip down in there. There's a nice little draw that comes up on this oak flat and... That's what I did. I dropped down over the creek, came up on that ridge. I didn't even know which tree I was going to go up in. And picked a tree, sawed off two limbs, and went up about 20, 22 foot. And uh, the whole time I was up there, I kept telling myself, i got to be 100 yards closer to that cornfield. There was a cornfield about 250 yards. And I was like, i got to be 100 yards closer to that cornfield. And I, I was telling myself the whole hunt. From when I got in there at 3 o'clock that afternoon, I was telling myself, i got to be up closer. And I'm glad I didn't. But I didn't see a deer from 3, 4, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock passes. And I'm getting texts from my girlfriend. You know, I'm on day 7, 8. You know, like, any deer? Any deer? My dad's texting me, any deer? And uh, as I was pulling out my phone, when my dad texted me, any deer, I was about texting back. Like, this is right as the the sun hit the horizon. So, I mean, it's it's prime time. And, you know, I got 20 minutes left, 15, 20 minutes left before I'm getting out. And uh, pulled my phone out, and I'm about to text him back, no deer. And I just did one last look around. And to my left, about 70 yards, I just see these antlers. Like they were glowing, dude. I didn't hear him. I didn't see him. He just appeared. Like it was the craziest thing. And uh, so I, I see him, and he puts his head up, and that's when I go, oh, my gosh. That's whenever I knew. Like in my head, I'm thinking 180, 180-inch deer just because – my biggest is 134 inch that I killed in 2020. So I had never seen a deer of this caliber in my life. And so right when I see him, like, I didn't know which way he was going to go. You know how it is. You're, mm-hmm. you're just waiting. What, where's he going to go? And sure enough, he's coming right to me. It's like I had him on a, on a string, man. And he's coming up this little tiny draw. There's a little like diversion ditch. And I was guessing it was 40 yards the whole time he was coming up. I mean, I'm watching him, and there's there's sapling trees all all through. I mean, it's the thickest part of this. Where he's coming up is the thickest part, of course. And so I'm watching him, and I'm trying to pick a spot. You know, I'm like, where am I going to shoot this deer at? How am I going to get? He's just walking through the woods, you know. And I'm like, how am I going to get this deer? So I whistle at him, and like I said, I didn't even have time to range find him or nothing. Um, and I guess 40 yards, and I'm I'm looking right at him after that first whistle. And I can't shoot him. I mean, he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And I got two or three saplings right in the boiler room. And I, I don't know how many seconds went in between of me looking at this deer and going, "Do I gut shot him? Do I try to catch a liver on the backside? You know, I got to get an arrow in this deer." And so I just, I don't know how how long that was, seconds, a minute, I don't know. Um, but I just told myself a lot of self talk. I was just like, one more step. And I'm going to whistle. If he doesn't stop, he's gone. He's he's starting to head west now. Like, I can tell he's taking the trail and heading straight to that cornfield that I was saying. So he's starting to quarter away a little bit. And he took that one more step. And I whistled again. And he looked back. But then he threw that left. Once he threw that right, he threw that left just a hair. And I had to lean to the left. And I just guessed 40 yards, put the my top pin close to the top of his back. And all I heard was the smack. And I didn't even, like, there was so much adrenaline, and I felt like I blacked out. I always say it, but I'm telling you, like, it was 
so crazy. Like, I've shot a lot of deer, but this was just something different. Like, I didn't know where I hit him. I'm like, I know I put it right on him. And uh, he ran about 50, 60 yards, and I'm just saying, go down, go down, you know. And uh, he stops, and he's looking around, and I'm, go down, go down. And when he started flicking his tail, and that's right when I knew. I was like, yep, he's going. Started doing the dance, flopped over in, in the holler that he came from, and I just put my hands up. I just went, let's go. And, oh, man, it was just – and at that time, I was thinking 170, 180-inch deer. Mm-hmm. But I, still, a yeah, the biggest deer, yeah. deer of yeah. lifetime. Yeah, yeah, the biggest deer. I, it's I nice just, when you get to see him tip over. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Because I probably would have been even more shook up if we would have, if I wouldn't have been able to see him go down, and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how are you? How How is Buck Fever? How are you managing yourself in that tree, dude? Were you calm uh, up until the shot? I mean, I was calm, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I was shaking, but like. I've made that shot, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've shot, you know, I, I know shot placement. I know, you know, how to shoot a deer, but it's like, that was different. It was just like, <laughs> cause if I missed that thing, you know, nobody would have believed me. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have believed me. And so, yeah, there was just for three days that three days later, I was still shaking. The adrenaline was still, I mean, it, it's something that I can't even explain like how, how much of adrenaline was going on. And, uh, so anyways, I watched him fall. Uh, I called my girlfriend right after from the stand. I called my dad, um, called the property owner and his boys, and we all, well, my girlfriend didn't, but my dad and the property owner, his boys, we all walked up to it together and was just like. Now, at this point, did you tell him you shot a monster or you just yes. told him you shot a deer? Yes, I told him it was okay. the biggest deer take. I said, this has to be the biggest deer taken on this property. Like, I kept saying 170, 180-inch deer. Like, I was even pushing, like, 180, like, how, like, how am I saying that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, on this farm, there's no way that there's a 180-inch deer. And so um, even the property owner, I think I told you earlier, he come out there and I said, man, he's got to be a high 170s or 180-inch mm. deer. And the property owner, he goes, nah, I'd say he's high 160s. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, well, I'd say he's a little bigger than that. You know, I've never, yeah, I've yeah. only had one deer scored, and that was in 2020, which was my 134-inch deer that I killed um november 2nd of the 2020 year i call it my covid buck named him larry but so that's the only thing i've had to go off of was 134 inch deer so this deer i'm thinking you know 180 heck, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. sure now this is a property you grew up hunting yes okay so it wasn't a brand new property it wasn't something you just got permission to hunt on the day before it was a property you'd hunted for a while but had never seen this particular buck before or yep. you had i haven't okay nope never so gotten pictures of him before nothing nothing so my only history with him is that two minutes <laughs> of whenever i first saw his antlers and then he put his head up and started coming up my ridge that's that's the only history i got my neighbors could tell you a lot more stories about him because they were you know they had him on different trail cams and you know, lucky buck mineral sites and mm-hmm. Um, so your neighbors had known about this deer for a while. Yeah, for a few years. Okay. Since he was a three and a half year old, I think is when they started getting pictures of him. But there, the this wasn't like a uh, people in the section. There was a rumor going around that there was a monster deer. Everybody was pretty low key about this guy. Yeah, because I had no idea. You know, I yeah. hunted that 2020 and that 2019 season. I had never heard about him. And he's on the property next door. And you yeah, never knew and I had him. never even knew about him. Now you had been talking earlier about just in our conversations that. He had been known to roam a little bit. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that. So right after I killed him, um, 
I think it was like a day or two later, uh, this guy hit me up, and he was like, hey, man, it was on Facebook, and he was like, this is going to sound crazy, but I've been hunting that deer up here. Like, I mean, shoot, it was it's almost in the next county. And I'm like, there is no way, you know. I said, well, come on. He said, would you mind if I come down and, you know, see him? I still had him in the walk-in cooler mm-hmm. uh, before I took him to a taxidermist. And uh, sure enough, he comes over and he goes, that's him. He starts showing me all of his trail cam pics that he had of him from him as a four and a half, him as a three and a half. And I mean, it's crazy. Eight, it was eight miles away, a little over eight miles away of where his property is. He was on like a 90 to 100 acre property. And so, but he was only getting him December, January, February and never got him. So he was going deer hunting, you know, during deer season, thinking he's hunting this deer He's actually eight miles on my neighbor's property, the property I hunt, and, you know, around that, my county, you know. <laughs> Haven't you heard that before? Like, you know, hey, you know, November comes around and all my bucks are gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy it to think Happens to me every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, seems like it happens to everybody. And that's the thing, too. I've set out trail cameras before where you get all these velvet bucks, and you see them all summer long. They shed the velvet, and then, boom, you don't see them anymore. Same thing. I've been out deer hunting, and... I or friends have shot deer that we've never seen except during the rut. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like this guy, he had his winter grounds that when it got brutal cold, he had his own little spot he liked to go to during that December, January, February time frame. So yep. it's crazy what deer like to do. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we can set trail cams out and try to pinpoint them and all this, but at the end of the day, they're going to do what a deer's going to do, and that's <laughs> go wherever they want to go. And I, I think realistically, the only thing you can count on is – nothing well really being in the woods yeah you got to be in the woods but i think unless you're getting pictures of a deer the week you plan on hunting that's really about it because if you see something in september that or august that looks amazing you may not see it come bow season or if you see something later in the year it may not be around so Mm -hmm. i i couldn't tell you how many people um friends included that have seen pictures of deer in the morning and they're like okay boom i've got to go hunt that stand this this yep. evening or the next morning and then they end up shooting it but unless you're seeing that deer right up into game time i mean yeah gosh eight miles away that's crazy i i we've gotten pictures of deer a couple miles away and neighbors have too but eight that's it's crazy even the so the sheds from the year before the 2020 when he was an 11 somebody found those sheds even farther than eight miles away really yep almost nine miles it was like 8.6 i well, think they're gonna have a story yeah, so he brought it. He brought those sheds to uh, the. I was at the Indianapolis Expo. Deer Did they Expo. score them? Yep. So it scored one seventy-seven. They gave him a twenty-inch spread, so one ninety-seven is what he was as a four and a half year old, <laughs> eleven pointer. Now, what's the spread on him now? He was twenty-one and a half. Okay, so they, they so took they a... gave him yeah an inch off the year before. So, so yeah, he was still on the increase because what was the final score? Two eleven, four eights, and that's okay. net. He was two sixteen and two eights, uh, gross, and mm-hmm. then net. That's pretty typical. I mean, yeah, he, he only five had, inch of deductions. Yeah, and that's so. And then he had that one kicker that was like a inch and an eighth or so. Um, yeah, it's just crazy because like he, everything comes within eighths on each time. Jeez. And you brought up that kicker. You take away that kicker. It's close. We're like right there with the Hanson. Yes, the, uh, the, the world record. Yeah, it's right. If 
it would have been real close is what uh they were saying um but i, don't I mean know. i mean who yeah who, yeah. who <laughs> knows <laughs> but yeah before we go into like post harvest cuz there i think you know some little bit of excitement and chaos going on there trying to figure out you just shot this huge deer and in your mind you thought it was 180 and you mm-hmm. still couldn't believe that you know anything about that day like we're using i think there's a product that you were using uh, but like you were using i think heat wave yeah heat was wave. something that you were using and uh do you think that really helped potentially in any scenario or was it you know was it a calming style of a strategy or was it a, a attractant style of strategy i think it was a calming because i mean he had he had no idea i was even there i mean he was just walking through the woods like nothing was wrong yeah. and even when i whistled at him that first time he was he wasn't worried about it it was on that second whistle when he was just kind of like what the heck's going on but yeah it definitely covered my yeah. you know where and you had good wind you had yeah, the I right had, wind for you yep for but. my scent but just that that heat wave out there, which if you don't know, is is a, is a warming deer attractant or something. It's mm-hmm. a you can do a what Pat you know all the different flavors. I guess I yeah, would call they it. do. Uh, yeah, multiple. I mean, all the ones that you would want. They do the estrus. Um, they do a scrape. Yeah, which like has different uh, deer urine on the scrape talker. Right. Mm-hmm. They do a calming or they're That's soothing. The, you know, calming. Yeah, soothing. the mama doe is. Uh huh. And they do. Um, they even do some uh, predator style stuff, um, yeah. and then they do, you know, for the guy or or gal that's out there that you know likes their brand or or you know they, whatever they do make a um, just the warming kit. They mo- yeah. they make a warming kit, mm-hmm. so, which is great. You know, it still gives you an opportunity to utilize what they've brought to the table. It's a pretty neat product. Though. I mean, the it whole is. the whole thing on on the heat and you know yeah. And, yeah, it's really Fresh. cool to see it with the like the thermal camera yeah. and, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. it actually heats up reacts. to the deer's temperature. Yeah, I always equate it to a hand warmer, basically. Yeah, yeah. chemically like activated because it's by it's the oxygen. vacuum sealed yeah, in the package, and you yeah. open up that package and break the seal like a chemical hand warmer, and the air gets yeah. to it and it starts getting warm. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter how cold it is because the air temperature is gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I always equate it for someone. It's like, okay, so what are they saying? You preheat your oven and you put your raw cookie dough in there. You don't smell anything, but you kind of know when it's about done because mm-hmm. it's it's heating up and that mm-hmm. permeates the smell. And then you're like, ah, I yeah. smell cookies. Now. Like cold pie, same. hot pie, hot pie, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You can smell it. Yeah. And one of the thing I wanted to, so I don't forget that I like that you brought up is, and we talked about over scouting and trail cameras and all that and. You were talking about getting used to going, you know, well, my trail cameras are right here, so I want to set up right here. And and you don't realize all these other places, and you get so zoned in on one spot instead of, you know, the totality of your property and maybe these other areas that, you know, you might, you should look at. Or or like hunting the edges. How many people have hunted, you know, I want to be right on the edge of the cornfield. Well, by the time you see the deer... It's after shooting light. It's after shooting light. Yep. Well, you want to try to get between mm-hmm. the field and their bedding mm-hmm. area or wherever they're yeah. coming from, which is probably what happened with you. If you would have been on the edge of that field. Yep. It might have been too late might have by been the time too late he got it. That would have been a terrible That's true story. because that is right where he was heading to, and it would have took him 
who knows? Right, no, if you're no one would believe you. You'd be like, I saw the biggest deer That's what, yeah. after shooting light right oh, under my oh, stand. Did you? That would be, that would be <laughs> terrible. <Yeah. laughs> nah. He was right under me. You said the whole time you were in the tree, you were thinking I need to be 100 yards closer to that field. Did it ever cross your mind to actually climb down and oh, move yeah. closer? Yeah, because I got in about 3 o'clock at yeah. afternoon, so I had time. and But that first hour, I was just and then once five hit, I was like, I knew I should have six hit. I knew I should have been up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's starting to get. And you hadn't seen a hadn't deer. Hadn't seen a deer. And then about 6.30, 6.35 is whenever he appeared. And you don't see anything that evening. Say you don't see him. And you just took your climber. And you were planning on hunting that other set. That the next, next morning. One. You might have never yep. known. Just the off chance, you know, I wanted to hunt here. and He would he would have walked by there, and I could have not been sitting there and. Mm-hmm. It still would have been the unknown yeah. deer that you never but, knew about. But you, but you took, you took a climber or something. Or, yep. Yep. And you just said this was like, I'm just gonna go on this four wheeler path. I haven't hunted since you were in high, high school. school. Yep. You're Me just like, I'm just gonna go this way. Yep. I, it was a good evening, and that it's on the west side of the farm, and I, I usually leave that part. You know, since mm-hmm. high school, I've just left that for the deer, and then I hunt that east side, or I go to the north side of the farm across the hog barns, and then there's a bunch of fingers through the. Uh, mm-hmm. fields and I'll hunt on that other side but I usually leave that because I said it's pretty thick back there mm-hmm. and uh but it's the best place where you can watch a sun drop and that's pretty much that was like my reason of picking that spot was like it was about 50 55 that afternoon it was a good I was just in a sweatshirt you know mm-hmm. and I'm just like I'm gonna go watch that sunset you know and <laughs> sure enough jeez, have you yeah. have you seen a better sunset since i have not i'm, I'm gonna go back to that same tree november 4th uh, oh, you this, got to. this coming yeah. season just to why not just to yeah that brings up another point if you had one seven day window to hunt when are you bow hunting when are you going to sit in the woods chandler i'm you trying to decide first. i'm trying to decide where i put halloween <laughs> on day i'll put halloween on day three so however that breaks up however that breaks up my uh my my three days and then my four days after okay yeah and i would do so halloween weekend but i would do i would probably go the 31st of october through the november 6th 6th 7th, 6th, 7th. Mm-hmm. yep for me for you dustin yep. where you at well I, i'm with him i was on so when I got in, I was October 29th, that Friday. Mm-hmm. I hunted Friday, Saturday. Sunday was Halloween. I killed a doe that morning. My nephew, he's seven. He killed his first buck. And so, yeah, that's that's my go-to week now, which in the year before I did that same thing. And then on November 2nd, I killed that 134. So that's, mm-hmm. my, that's my new go-to week from the 29th through that. We we joke about it here at work, but like Halloween's just a magical night. Well, yep. Two years ago, that's I shot a great eleven point on Halloween. Halloween. Night. Yeah, so I yeah. would have to include Halloween. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I would jump forward a day or two, so I might start Halloween and run through like the sixth. But I know the last couple days of October and then the first week in November, if you had vacation to take, that's a that's great time to take mm-hmm. it. I really think. I might I might even start October twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and then run through like November sixth or seventh. Yep. So it might be a little outside of a week, maybe eight or nine days. But yep. Man, that's that right in there. That's that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I and think I we're all in agreement there. Depend on the property you're at. So at least for me too. That week or two, and of course Missouri has changed their rifle season now is later in the month than it yeah, used to be. Mid November. You're about mid November. 
um, is when we get to at least where we hunt and rifle season hits, after that opening weekend, it is tough. It, it is on tough. our property. Now, one thing so I that's have, why I like the earlier. I have mm-hmm. found in Missouri, though, the weekend after Thanksgiving can be good, too, because yes. it's given deer um, a couple weeks to chill out. And I have found that a lot of times those does that don't get bred that first rut, that's when they're going to cycle. Sometimes you'll get some young does to cycle that last week in November, first week mm-hmm. in December that were born in, in June. Sometimes if they were early deer born, they might cycle then. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I would still – I'm still banking my – vacation on that first week of november oh yeah yeah the biggest deer i've ever seen or had the um not always the biggest but the the most deer and the action has been halloween weekend so i always want to make sure i'm out there Mm -hmm. and for us now at least at the store you know being off sunday monday so if it's that two days that you know i just i gotta be out there yeah somewhere that's when i see the most chasing and I see the most or different bucks that week. Sure. Bucks that I've never seen or, mm-hmm. you know, just <laughs> multiple bucks. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, too, you start getting into the Missouri gun season, you're starting to hit some of the lockdown of the rut. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have to contend with the youth rifle season now for that prime time. Missouri has that youth rifle season, which is usually right around Halloween. So a lot of big deer go down mm-hmm. that weekend. So kind of a mixed bag i have my own set of thoughts on that but it is what it is Mm -hmm. yeah do you have so like you talked about you know this place that you went that you haven't hunted forever just kind of on the whim but i mean does each person have a crazy stand that they've set up or or like in the middle of the season you're like man i want to hunt right here and it's just something out of the blue and weird that you like for me i uh been watching deer all year and you chart, you start patterning them, and and they keep crossing right there at the road, because the farm where we hunt is split with the road that goes between it, and the easiest path is timber to timber, and they cross the road right there. I kept watching them over and over, and I'm like, I'm gonna put a stand right there. And I've probably told you guys this, but I, I hung a stand on lunch, five yards off the road. I mean, I'm on the, just off mm-hmm. the ditch, and shot one with my bow that evening um so it's just kind of a wild stay in that you know it's like yeah you're yeah, no you, one would have thought about hunting on the you road. were telling yeah. me about that at, at uh mexican the other night and you yeah. said you can turn and wave to the cars driving by i do i, <laughs> I mean if they happen to look up you're gonna I try not polite. to hunt it too yeah. much when i'm rifle hunting because mm-hmm. it's kind of weird and i'm in orange and then they really see me yeah but you know i just kept you start patterning deer and I'm hunting on the other side of the field, and I just kept watching them all day. Yeah. So I'm like, I gotta be over every there. deer crossed right there. I, yeah, you're you're thinking about I want a doe for the freezer. So guess what? So I grabbed a hang on, put it up, and uh, and oddly enough, the deer I shot. So it was a you know a buck. It was you know okay size for me. I was excited. We were talking about getting excited, mm-hmm. and and I did, but it happened to be on the other side. And we all have text, you know, me and the wife and then the brother-in-law. And it had passed them, and I hear Sonia rattling and <laughs> grunting. And I pull up my binos, and I can see it running through the field on their side of the farm, way far away. And it, but it's coming towards to cross the road. And as it gets to the road, they slow down because they want to see what's going on. Most deer do before they actually cross. I pull out my rattling antlers and, you know, mm-hmm. and he just... 
strutted down the gravel road and walked right underneath me. It was done and over with. And that's another thing. You bring up another good point, talking about getting excited. I think in the past 15 years or so, there's been a lot of stigma put on, well, if you don't shoot a deer XYZ scoring points and this big or this old, that, you know, what are you doing out there? And a lot of shaming on social media, especially um, for people who shoot maybe like a 115 or 120. And I think you just mentioned a good point, getting excited. To me, if you see a buck that walks by you and you get all jacked up and you're shaking and you're excited, I don't care if it's 95 inches. I don't care if it's 195 inches. If it gets you jacked up, shoot that thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if it's a doe. <laughs> you know, I still it. get all jacked so up shooting I. a doe. I get chick. Oh, I yeah. can see deer all around me and I'm fine. But as soon as I'm like, you know what, I may shoot that doe, I start getting all oh, jacked yeah. up. That, oh, yeah. that heart starts beating <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as I make the decision, man, yep. I'm, I'm all jacked I've up. Setting, I love shooting deer. I've set in plenty of sets. Mm-hmm. You know, I've filmed a little bit out of a tree and stuff. You know, you sit around and you stare, stare at deer all day. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like click. You're going to take one, and you're like, and then just it's a different thing happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to tell myself that, especially um, when I know, okay, I want to take a doe now, and we're beyond, you know, because sometimes you take a doe, and it's like, well, especially during the rut or something, you know, that's probably not a great time to take a doe, but if you mm-hmm. want to, that's great. Mm-hmm. But So I always tell myself before I go, all right, if I see a doe tonight, I'm shooting it. Yep. That way I know going in, because I got to psych myself up mm-hmm. and, and get ready. That way when it happens, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty calm during, the, I get excited when I see him, mm-hmm. whether it's a doe or a buck, and I know yep. I'm going to shoot. And then I calm myself down, and I'm rock solid. But once that arrow flies or I pull the mm-hmm. trigger, you're, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, <that's it>. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, Don't know what happened. You know, I'm like, I don't know. That's I don't exactly know where it. I hit it. I yep. don't know where it ran. It felt like a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But did I hit it? I didn't see my arrow. Sure. Yeah, like, how many it, times yeah. do you know you release oh, perfect dude. and you're just like, yeah. I thought I hit it like right in the boiler. And it runs room. 150 yards and you're like, oh my gosh. And then, yeah. And then you go, you know, you retrieve find, it and you're like, yeah, I hit it right where I yep. wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just ran a little bit farther that time. And do you, well, turkey hunting, I know you do. And you're talking about, are you a stand guy only or climbers or ground blinds or. I do, uh, so I got lock-ons, I got buddy stands, and my cli- I use my climber mostly. I feel like that's, I always go find different trees a lot. So that, mm-hmm. I mean, me going to that spot was like out of the blue, but it's not out of the blue for me to go, I'm going to take my climber out and go to the, mm-hmm. and just find a tree, a brand new tree, and, you know, saw off saplings around, cut me some lanes and go up. Mm-hmm. So I've done that many times, but, <laughs> you know. I've hunted out of some ground blinds every now and again. Um, you do it a lot, obviously turkey hunting, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if you did it during deer season. Ever. Yeah. The one I shot in Halloween two years ago was uh, ground blinds where I hunt out in Kansas where, um, a lot of field edges and stuff, but they're way off the beaten path. So we'll have gotcha. the blinds out starting, you know, mid August. So they're sitting there. There's plenty of time. We put them in the same spots where they've been year after year. The deer are kind of accustomed to them where they're at, but I would say ladder stands and ground blinds is pretty much what I'm. Yeah, what I'm at just because a lot of the hang-ons, um, well, one they're small. Two, I'm not a huge fan of just strapping straps to a mm-hmm. tree. I don't like to really use screw-in steps personally. Yep. Um, climbers, I've got one. I just don't use it enough because you got to find the opportunistic tree. And it seems like even with hang-ons, a lot of the properties I hunt, 
um, there's just a lot of not really good, straight, decent trees. They're, you know, either huge where you're going to need three ratchet straps to get around the thing mm-hmm. and or they're just not a great tree. But a ladder stand, it doesn't matter if it's the perfect tree or not. You can kind of situate those in there. And again, blinds there. I, I feel like you don't get winded near as much in a blind, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so you can get away with a little bit more. You can as far as scent and or movement. Mm-hmm. and snacks i'm a big fan of snacks yes so i feel I like i can like get away snacks with in the woods <laughs> more in a ground blind yeah so i don't know it's yeah i always i'll bring a, a cream pie sandwich or a cookie <laughs> or something but it's super cold oh yeah so then when i go and get it it's rock solid that's the best yep. though yeah mm-hmm. like well My, now it's an ice cream yeah. sandwich and of course i don't know about you guys but during like the rut or like when you were out i like to sit all day Yep. My only problem is, is I never take enough food, so I'm like, okay, I got my lunch packed. And by 8.30, my lunch is gone. Yep. I'm like, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You've had your e- breakfast and <laughs> lunch. Yeah, we're not even to 10 o'clock yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. That's why I'm usually getting out at noon, going and getting a sandwich, and then coming back about yeah. 2.30. Or well, see, and that, that brings me to another point. The best deer I've shot and some of my friends have shot have been between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Yeah. So during the rut, not only do I like to sit all day, but like – I go into like hyper focus 10 to 2. Yeah. Because I've shot multiple bucks between 10 and 2. I've had some friends that I've been setting with them filming. Shot one at like 12.03. Like, yep. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on deer movement in the middle yeah. of oh, the I, day? I've definitely been seeing that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, not necessarily out on like a field edge, but if you're no. in a good travel corridor, travel you know, waterfowlers can relate it to like hunting traffic. Like, if yeah. you're in a good spot where there's a high traffic area, Man, I'd love to be in a funnel or along a fence mm-hmm. line, an interior fence line in the woods, man. Oh, man. And the I chasing like to phase. sit as long as possible. I get hungry. Yeah, that's what see, and that's And me. I don't have enough food. Yep. So inevitably, and this has happened multiple times, we break for lunch. I come back, and it's happened to me numerous times. A decent buck or just deer in general, they're right where... Mm-hmm. Your stand is jump them up. right where I need to go. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I've had that happen, and I'm like, so Pat, if I would, so lesson learned: one, uh, pack three days of food. Yes. Yeah, for one <laughs> not day, not just one day. I was gonna say if you need to get like a, a mountain hauler or some sixty. I know I need 60, the sixteen the the Sitka sixty four hundred yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. cubic yeah. inch pack. Yeah, uh-huh. Do what you got to do. Get you a portable microwave out there. Right. <laughs> um, and a phone will keep you busy too. Although yeah. I've been caught doing that. Yeah. Have you ever been on your phone? And, and yeah. And oh, all yeah. of a sudden, you hear a deer blow at you. Mm-hmm. You're like, I was just looking over there. And then you, s- that's the worst sound yep. in the world in the woods is getting blown at. And you're like, you know, you're caught. Yeah. And you slowly turn, and sure enough, they're looking at you. I don't mm-hmm. usually get on my phone too much, but there's been times where I've been sawing logs. And oh, I, yeah. hear, I hear footsteps underneath me, and I look, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. Yep. Because there's a deer, and I, I'm sawing logs. But mm-hmm. one opportunity, I've been completely busted. And another opportunity, I waited for the deer to literally walk under my tree and get past me about 10 yards and then shot it. But yeah. it was a decent nine point. But, yeah, I've, I've been woken up several times. Oh, yeah. The first um, – no, it wouldn't have been the first – well, the first uh, – decent buck i ever shot with my bow i was caught with my rattling antler because i had rattled him in and it's like out of the blue i got charged you know i'm only like 12 feet in the tree um 
which is a whole nother discussion, <laughs> how high you need to be in the tree. But, yeah. but I'm not very high up there, and I'm sitting over a bluff, and I'm rattling. I just hear, and before I could even set him down, he's standing two yards underneath me, and uh, uh, my bow's still hanging. Like, well, what do I do? Do with my yeah. hands. Do I well, catch yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, you know, it was, a, it was a decent one. So I had to wait until he started turning because he stops underneath me, and he even kind of looks at me, and I just freeze. And he's just staring up at my tree. And but once he turns to start walking away, I he gave he walked and didn't run and I was able to set him down. But yeah, I've been caught red handed mm-hmm. before. Rattling you, rattling is my favorite thing about deer hunting in October, November. Yep. It is it's I've seen it turn the woods on so many times and just mm-hmm. it's so exciting when you're at that, that peak time for all the work. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever rattled in a big deer. I've rattled in lots of two year olds that are like yeah. teenagers that just get all excited and they want to see the commotion, but I don't think I've ever rattled yeah, in I mean a big you deer. do yeah, I definitely definitely younger deer, but every mm-hmm. once in a while you get the, the some decent ones coming to check it out. And they're not really they don't really run in charging. They're always kinda they come check it. They mm-hmm. come check it. And they're they're not immediate either too, but you you know they're kind of cruising through, just making sure mm-hmm. everything's going all right. There's one story with Dave from the store. Years ago, he didn't like to to get super high in his climber, and I remember I think he was rattling or something. A deer was running by, and the climber has backpack straps hanging from the bottom of his stand and i swore that that buck running under his stand was going to get hung up in his backpack straps on his climber because <laughs> it know, was so low because it was so low <laughs> it was like it was so close i mean you know we were hunting not we probably should have been hunting farther away from each other but we were you know a couple hundred yards but i could still see him and i could see that deer and it was a young buck but i thought it was going to get hung up in his backpack straps on his climber <laughs> that's that catch an me. antler <laughs> yeah just flip him the first, choke him out yeah the first time i used a climber like you know i tried it out and got the basic idea in a tree in a backyard but the first time i ever took it out into the woods and used it i strapped it to a tree and i'm like okay you know i got the hang of this i've climbed a few feet before i know what i'm doing so i get all situated i got my bow strapped in and my backpack and everything on a pull-up line and i start climbing and i'm climbing and i'm like all right i'd say this is probably pretty good my stand's leveled out now i'm good i feel comfortable i pull everything up and it starts to get daylight and i'm about nine feet off the ground <laughs> I'm like, all right yeah wow well, let's yeah, try that's this what again. i was getting to yeah. on the height thing yeah yeah so i've got a uh my uncle's brother-in-law he wants to be 30, 40 feet. I swear, he's been over 30 feet before. I've I been do. there. Mm-hmm. I do in gun season. Okay, so but you, bow you season, hunt 20 to high. 25. But, and I, you know, it's always like, okay, you know, 20 minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, with a hang on, I like to be 20. A lot of ladder stands I have, though, they don't go to 20. Mm-hmm. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, 17, 18. But, I mean, I understand it, <laughs> but I think there's, you know, like the deer I shot. I mean, if you're if you're in the right wind and you're and you're using scent control and and you know mm-hmm. the opportunity's still there, yeah. even if you're ten feet in the air. Sure, yep. and I think every opportunity is different too, because if like Southern Indiana where you're at or up North Missouri, there's a lot of, of bluff country, so a lot of times you're you're going to be high on one side of the hill if you're on a ridge or something, and then low on the other side. But yeah, I, I think like you say, bow hunting, yeah, especially you know you got to think about the trajectory of that mm-hmm. arrow. 
you're super high. You made just one lung of deer, and that's it, which right. sometimes is fatal, sometimes not. Yeah. So yep. the lower you are, obviously, you don't want to be eight feet off the ground. But mm, right. I mean, the lower you are, you're going to get a better shot and more vitals. But with a gun, it, it doesn't matter so yeah. much because mm -hmm. there's so much impact and damage done with a bullet. There's going to be lethal consequences to that. But, yeah, with a bow, I I don't know. I'm, I'd say I like that 18 to 20-foot range yeah. is mm -hmm. about yeah. where I'm, I'm I've definitely been it. up there. Uh -huh. I mean, I've... Oh, yeah. I've, maybe disclaimers don't recommend anything. I mean, I was strapped into a tree, but there was times on a climber that I was still strapped in the tree, safe about it, but I would pull up the bottom part of my stand because it was starting to flatten out, and mm -hmm. I would tighten the stand below my feet all the way, you know, at that 45-degree angle and keep going. Mm -hmm. The top part of the stand's easy to adjust oh, on yeah. the fly, but the bottom part's not. So I'd yeah. be dangling. I'd be sitting on yep. top part of the stand. I'm strapped in, but I'm sitting on the top part of the climber, pulling up the bottom part. It, the bottom part is connected. It's not going to go, you know, very far, mm -hmm. you know, because all this stuff is good for climbers. Um, but I'm bringing it up and tightening it just so I can get, you know, 25, 25 foot up in the air. Some of that was because of the brush around i had to get a little bit higher to, to get a little bit more shooting lanes but mm -hmm. but i best and then hanging double sets oh yeah for filming like double hang on sets we we, we uh, dave you know dave has actually been you know managed some big nice whitetail properties and he does now get over 20 foot i'm pretty sure in a tree stand so i'll, <laughs> I'll make sure I, I don't that was just that was just years ago he was getting 12 foot off the ground but now sure. he's up there but uh I think Dave was talking about some of the double sets we used to hang, and it was a 20-foot quick stick, another Ameristep four-foot section, then a hang-on, and then another four-foot section, and then the top filmer stand was up above that. That was like, that was a typical two-double hang-on set for us, yeah. which was, I mean, the, the camera guy was up there by the time he got mm -hmm. up there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, the new thing to add to your arsenal now, which is, it's super popular now over the past couple of years, is the saddle mm -hmm. yeah i've been and seeing I, that. I um so you know at the store now we offer trophy line and we've we've got tether coming in mm -hmm. um not that that's your sole deal but i would i'd love to have one to add to my arsenal especially you're talking about oh, i wish i was 100 yards there and there is times i'm in the tree but all my stands are permanent permanent sets for the season I don't want to go buy a new one. You got a saddle with you. Hey, I need to be mm -hmm. 15 yards that way. It might be that far. And you don't have to worry about sawing branches like with a climber. And you just up you go. Mm -hmm. Or great for public yeah. land hunters. Yeah. It's super yeah. lightweight. Your saddle, which is what, a few pounds? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the set of sticks. Yeah. So let's kind of get back on track yeah. with <laughs> – the huff buck here because yeah. that we, we kind of go all over the place but when you're talking hunting and deer hunting i could oh go yeah you start telling 20 stories. directions oh yeah uh -huh. <laughs> so you 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 call your 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 dad your girlfriend you get a hold of everybody they come find the deer what is the rest of that evening and the days you know leading out of hey i just shot a giant deer but i don't know what i've got mm -hmm. at this point yeah so that evening um once i started sending snapchats to my buddies so that's all I did. I didn't post it until the next day. So that evening, I just sent it to some buddies, and all my buddies are big deer hunters, but I got about two of them that, you know, they they got target bucks every year. You know, all my buddies were meat hunters. You know, we've always just, we shoot whatever comes by, or, you know, we've gotten better at, you know, I've started shooting the 134 and then trying to work myself up. But, 
So my two buddies, they said, they texted me and called me and said, put the knife down. Because I was, I mean, shoot, me and my dad were ready to, we were going to cut him up that <laughs> night. Shoot, yeah. we were ready to get the back straps out of him, you know. And my buddy, Blake, was like, put the knife down. I'll be over there in 20 minutes. And so him and my buddy Balls are come over. We're drinking beers. And, like, they knew right when I sent that picture that it was a 200-inch deer. Like, they just knew it. Because, I mean, they, you know, they study yeah. deer all mm-hmm. the time. And so they knew right away that it was pretty special. So they come over, and I'm saying 180. And they're like, I'm telling you. So then my buddy Blake started putting a tape on it and got his number, which was really close to what the – official score god i was like dang blake you should start being a score you know and uh so we knew that evening that it was possibly an indiana state record Mm -hmm. with what my buddy blake had come up with on the numbers and um so at that point he's saying you need to call a photographer and i'm start laughing at him i'm like like because i you know i use a photographer for like my music and Mm -hmm. my album covers and stuff and so he's like I I was cracking up, like, dude, you're crazy. Like, I'm not taking any pictures of this deer. Like, I got plenty in the woods, you know. And uh, he's like, I'm telling you, dude, like, this is a huge deal. And I'm I'm still laughing about it. I think he's nuts, you know. And uh, so that happens. We we just hang, hang him up at night. You know, we take a bunch of pictures just drinking beer downstairs. And um, it wasn't until late that night Um I kept getting up, and, you know, I couldn't sleep. I was just Googling Indiana. I, I hadn't even Googled, like, the U.S. record or anything. You mm-hmm. know, I had never kept track of that. Well, I got a text from my – well, I made a tweet uh, late that night. It was, like, midnight or so. You know, I couldn't sleep. So I made a tweet and said, I think I killed the biggest deer in Indiana. And that's all I said, dot, dot, dot. No picture, nothing. Well, my buddy, Ray Fulcher, who I used to be on the road with, um, he's on the road with Luke Combs. Well, we all used to run together. I used to write with Luke and was on the road with him in my early 20s, uh, did some touring with him. And so after I sent Ray, Ray texted me after seeing my tweet and said, oh, Huff, let me see this deer that you you know tweeted about. I sent him two or three pictures, and within two minutes, Combs is calling me. And th- at this time, it's like 2 a.m. I assume that they were on bus call because usually our bus call was like 2 o'clock in the morning whenever mm-hmm. we were leaving a venue. And uh, he calls me, he goes, Bubs. <laughs> and that's what he, because I was always the youngest guy on the tour, so he always called me Bubs. And he said, Bubs, like, you don't know what you did. <laughs> and I just said, yeah, it's a, I think it might be the Indiana State record. He goes, I'm going to get you in touch with some people. He said, don't post nothing yet. So I didn't post any photos that night. That next morning, he called me again and said, hey, Meat Eater's going to call you. He called Meat Eater because he was just on, uh Ranella's mm-hmm. show yeah. and shot that antelope. I think I saw that. Yeah. Yep. So he was yep. just on it. So he had just got that connection. Well, then he called them, and he knew there was going to be, you know, stuff like I didn't know anything about, you know, any deer shows or anything, you know. So he called Meat Eater. Meat Eater called me. They launched the story, and after that it just kind of blew up. After Then everybody started calling after they released it on their website and – um yeah what were the what were, what were the articles saying about at for, uh, released by them at that time uh it was saying this buck might crush the indiana state record so it was still claiming like state record it was just Didn't saying state. we weren't even thinking US. usa yeah um and it wasn't until like later on you know we well it was like later that night i was looking at uh or that next day i was looking up 
I just decided, you know, world record buck. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever I started seeing Milo, 213. And I, James Jordan, 208. And what my numbers that I'm getting off my buddy is bigger than, and I said, and my dad's in the living room, and I said, Dad, I think we have like a top two deer in the world. And he goes, get out of here, man. He goes, there's no way, you know. And I'm just like, from what Google's saying, like, yeah. we have, like, it's going to be close to a the best, the biggest deer in the world. And my dad just was like, there is no way. Like, you know, we just couldn't believe it. And sure enough, you know, it was it was pretty dang close. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it finished. So Milo's was what, two inches? Yeah, inch I mean, and a half. Talking. He was an inch and a half because he was two thirteen. Yeah, um, two eleven and a half with and my kicker. So if it was, oh dang inch, kickers! Yep, <laughs> yeah. I know. It. Where's my chisel at? Exactly. <laughs> I needed a chisel at but the time. But to come within an inch and a half of Jeez. the world record, the most yeah. storied, yeah, buck maybe ever out there. You know, exactly. It's, and to take down the U.S. record was one hundred seven oh, years yeah. old. So um, well. North American Whitetail. So they contacted me after, you know, Meat Eater, and um, they said hypothetically, judging or basing it off of like how many Boone and Crockett's are killed every year in the United States and Canada and Mexico don't even have like a Boone and they don't even have Boone and Crockett. They don't even get scored down there. So he was saying that hypothetically, me killing a deer that big and that typical was one in 321 millionth of a chance to shoot a deer that big. Did you go buy a lottery ticket? That was, well, that's what I mean. That was, I'm out of luck now. (laughs) That's it. He said, you could have got struck by lightning twice before killing that deer. When does it come out? I'll take the deer. Yeah. Yes, same. (laughs) Me too. But even those articles were coming out, okay, I think we've, you know, got the new state record, but when does it come out where it's like, Hey, this is even a bigger deal. Or who writes about that? Or how do you? You well, obviously so have to wait, wait for that a window, like period. the green score and then yeah. all that stuff. So I yeah, mean, explain some of that. I had the green score, so you have to wait sixty days for that drying period, is what they call it. And so during that time, I mean, I'm just you know freaking out of is it going to hold up? You know, all this. I didn't know much about it because you know I'd never had to weight on a score you know i've only scored one deer in my life and that was the 2020 buck and uh so yeah we just kind of waited the 60 days and got a veteran scorer on it the guy that was scoring he was a master scorer uh for boone and crockett he's been scoring for like 40 years and uh and it's just one guy it was just have like three guys get it and they all kind of collaborate and figure out what they decide on it's just one guy one did he come out to your place yeah he came down yep and it, when he scores it and he finishes, is he's like, yeah, yeah, you've got this is yeah, this is what it scored, and we're just like. And did he tell you then you've got the biggest buck in the in country? the U.S. Yeah, yep. He was like, congratulations, you have the biggest deer in the United States, and I just go, I didn't, I couldn't <laughs> say <laughs> none. I was just like, huh, <laughs> you know? Right. What do you say at that point? Now, I'm guessing up until this point, most everything that had come your way was pretty positive. When you started posting pictures on social or word starting getting out, was there any negativity to come your way? Oh, yeah. Um, there was always the, of course. Yeah, man, there was a lot of, you know, he poached it. It was a high fence deer. It was this and that, you know. 
there's people calling in the DNR saying, oh, there's no way that this guy killed this deer here and blah, blah, blah. And Did they come visit you, DNR? Oh, two times. Oh, yeah. I had really? Oh, oh, yeah. So it was a big, it was a big thing. But so there's that. And then there's just people talking, well, he used a crossbow, so it don't count or, you know, just stuff like that. Um, but the, the pot, the accusations of poaching or shooting it with a 223 at midnight, like there was, I mean, these DNR, they were getting calls from all over the place saying like, he shot it on this property. He wasn't even allowed to be on that property. <laughs> and so, so w- when the DNR showed up, what you, I mean, what did you have to do? Well, they actually called me. So I was in Nashville. So I, like I said, I traveled back and forth. So I went down there for three or four days to write songs, and I had to record a song. And so I get a, which I called. Let me let me backtrack. So the next day, when Meat Eater talked to me, they said, "I advise you to call the your local DNR." Well, I called DNR the day after I shot it. And the lady that picked up the dispatcher, she's like, I was like, hey, ma'am, I was like, I killed the biggest deer in Indiana. Who do I need to talk to? And she thought I was nuts. She was like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) She's like, you need to go online and fill out these forms. I'm like, well, that wasn't no help. So anyways, they must. They might get that call quite often. Yeah. So yeah. So I was trying to get a hold of a DNR officer like that next day, but nothing. So. I'm back in Nashville that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I come home on Thursday. Well, DNR calls me on Wednesday saying, hey, we're at your house. Where are you at? Well, I'm at my producer's. I'm down, you know, recording songs and writing songs. And, well, when are you going to be back? I said, well, I'll be back tomorrow or the next day. And they said, well, we're going to go check out where you shot that deer. I said, that's fine. I said, okay, you know, they knew what where the property was. And so there's me and um, this DNR officer are – texting back and forth aerial maps and he's circling where he's at and showing me and I said you know I I circled the where my gut pile should be you know and Mm -hmm. where my tree is and sure enough they found what was left of the gut pile found my tree and they said did you saw off two limbs on your way up yep that's the one they found my tree they even found where the splatter was from the deer where it was wow. standing on the sapling trees because I said it, it was over by the sapling trees and they, they said they found where the splatter was. Was the property owner out there with them to help or? So the, when they showed up the second time. Okay. So that was the first time and they, you know, called me. I said, did you find it? Yep, it's it's all here, blah, blah. I think we're good. Well, about two weeks go by, I get another call. We got some follow-up questions. I said, oh, great. Here we go. All right. If I would have shot a 140, there would have been no, you know. So I said, all right. Um, And I was home. I didn't go back to Nashville that week. And so I said, well, come on over. I said, I'd love to just sit down and talk with y'all. You know, give you a cup of coffee and we'll just sit down and talk. And uh, so, yeah, they come up and they're just like, yeah, we just keep getting calls, man. Like, I'm like, who are these? Where are these people getting these stories from? Exactly. You know, do like, they have nothing better to do? And that's the thing. Like, and even like during this period, I'm getting calls from my buddy saying, "You'll never guess what so and so said at work that you don't even own those antlers no more." Blah blah blah. You know, like the DNR took them from you. And I'm like, I'm looking at my antlers right now. Like, you know, so all these rumors are flying. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, DNR comes back over, and I just take them from just like I tell every everybody and. Um, he said, well, we're just getting a lot of, you know, calls. And they even went and talked to the property owner saying that, well, did he even have permission to hunt here? And the property was like, that boy's been hunting my property since he was 10 years old. 
and he'll always have permission to hunt this property. I don't know where you're getting all these stories from. Mm -hmm. So he shut it down pretty quick to them. Like, and after that second visit, you know, they, they realized that it was a legal kill and they said, well, do you got the antlers? And I went downstairs, got them and we all took pictures together and finally squashed it. But it was just like, man, people got, they got nothing better to do. No. Do you think it's because it's I mean, jealousy? Well, one. it's jealousy. Well, one, yeah, and a deer of that magnitude, it's Im- irregardless, you don't see that. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Which I think is where a lot of the high fence comes yes. in. Mm-hmm. Any deer that's two hundred or big, it's got to be high fence. Yeah. he's he's paid because twenty grand for it. You don't, for it you or don't something. see mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and it is rare, even in the the wild, the genetics to yeah. grow that big. Yeah. Even if you you take some of these outdoorsmen that you know work by age and you know they're passing deer at four and a half sometimes five and they're letting them grow and Mm -hmm. even then they don't even reach 200 Mm -hmm. that's crazy so to actually see one well it's a genetic freak of nature that's for sure yeah and And so i think there is some doubt but and it's okay to to make sure everybody does it Mm -hmm. legally Mm -hmm. but but the the visceral and the hate that comes out of it we just tear each other down as hunters, and I can't believe it. Oh, Like, man. where we're heading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, and that's the thing, going back on the crossbow and compound bow, and, dude, I used to compound hunt, you know, for nine years, and then things change as you get older, you know. I'm not going to go into why I use a crossbow now, but people don't know the reasons, but they just assume, mm-hmm. you know, well, he, he never, you know, he's not a deer hunter. He's just a guy that picked up a crossbow, you know. It's like, when technically I've probably killed a lot more deer you know with you know than a, a lot of people but it's like just because i want to use a crossbow now does it <laughs> and you know it's like what we were talking about earlier it if you killed it with a bow it's amazing if you killed it with a gun it's amazing but you kill it with a crossbow it's not amazing it i'm like how does that take anything away because yep. a gun is 10 times more an advantage yeah. than a crossbow even exactly so it's it's one of those things that the the crossbow is kind of the the redheaded stepchild of the yeah. hunting industry, and I I don't see why there's so much stigma behind that because to me, sure, a, you know, like a traditional bow is going to be, you yeah. know, the most difficult, then compound, then crossbow, then muzzleloader, then rifle. But the rifle is still the ultimate advantage in the woods yeah. over any sort of archery yeah. equipment. You're still judging distance and waiting for saplings to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't know for sure it was forty yards. Yeah, exactly. It was just a guess, and I mean. The thing about it is, like, I think people just, they, they see it as a competition of tougher, or they, they see a crossbow as, well, he's not as tough, or this and that. It's like, it's not a contest of how I can kill a deer. Like, what I was telling you guys, like, if you're not using a stick and rocks, mm-hmm. you don't have room to talk. None of us have yeah. room to you still had to take your to, climber in, you yeah. know, play the wind, mm-hmm. you know, do yeah. all the, everything Ex- else anybody else would yeah, do. Exactly. You got the deer within forty yards. Yep. I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. Yeah. Any legal means yeah. of taking a whitetail, if it gets you out in the woods and that's what you want to use, if it's putting yeah. meat by in the all freezer, means, do yeah. it. Yeah. Because um, I'm all for more hunters, and maybe you're not a compound shooter, yeah. and and not you, but in general. You know, if you're not a compound shooter, but a crossbow gets you out there to enjoy wildlife season and Mm -hmm. get out there and do it. Yep. I'm all for it. Yep. Um, And just spread the joy and get people out there. But there was a lot of good that came from it, too. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I never really focus on the 
negative because there's so many there's a lot more people that come up and congratulate and say man congratulations this is awesome like you know people will when i go do these shows like people drive five six hours just to come see this deer you know it's Mm -hmm. just you know so it's cool to get those people to come out and just they share their stories i share my story Mm -hmm. and it's just deer hunters talking man and that's that's what i love well i think a lot of people too uh, most people are never going to see the milo hansen buck Mm -hmm. so the fact that they have a chance since you're in the midwest to see what the biggest deer you know ever taken in the u.s even looks like Mm -hmm. and you know that it's only an inch and a half off the all-time world record i mean it's the closest thing they're ever going to see yep you know what's it what's right. it like to even hold a deer over 200 inches, mm-hmm. especially a typical at that. Yeah. Holy smokes! Yep. Yeah, it's not a non-typical that looks like a rosebush and crazy mm-hmm. stuff going everywhere. Right. Which, realistically, when they've got tines and stuff going everywhere, it doesn't take a huge rack. It's just it, it's a gross mass amount of points. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to to get a typical frame where everything is so symmetrical, I mean that's yeah it, yeah. What was his longest tine? Like his G twos or threes or his. G2s and 3s were 13. Both of them. Yep. <laughs> so, gosh. Just a picket fence. Yep. Yeah, you're talking 52 <laughs> like, inches in four times yeah, right so we, there. And then dropped down to about 9, and then the 3.5 on the G5s, and then he had 28, 27 main beans. Are you serious? Yeah, 28, 28. 27. And his biggest circumference on his uh, base, or his main beam, mm-hmm. almost 7 inches. Get out of here. <laughs> So his his base was like five and some change, mm-hmm. like five and a half, close to six, but his biggest mass was that s- almost seven on that each side of the main beam. Yeah, the mass you can make up a lot of sure. inches. That mm-hmm. mass, because you see a lot of deer that are mm-hmm. giant in their own, you know, realm. But that that mass to get the, yep, you know, and having that the inside spread and just. All those other variables, you know, it's all got to come together. Here's another, um, like whenever I've been talking to people about scoring deer and stuff, like the Boone and Crockett system, and on my deer, like the G2s, G3s, like the circumference of them, of the tines that don't get, those don't get any, like, credit. Mm-hmm. They got over four, four and a half inches of mass. So just he held his mass. All well, the way through. And I think that goes back to what you were talking about earlier. He's a five-and-a-half-year-old deer. You sent his teeth in. You got him aged. I don't mm-hmm. know. Was that here or was that? Yeah. Might have been at lunch or something. But, again, that's that's how you know you start getting to those mature deer over four-and-a-half because they start carrying that mass out through the entire rack. Yep. You know, because up until four-and-a-half – any extra calories consumed and energy goes into building that skeletal frame in that body. And then once the body is fully mature, then all the extra goods go to the antlers. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's just crazy. 28-inch main beam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had almost 48 inches of mass all the way through. Well, like, yeah, the G2s and G3s, 52 inches just mm-hmm. in four times. Yep. That's and it, I was talking to uh, some people, and they said water displacement if they took mine and Milo's and dunked it in water just because of how thick the tines run it through, mm-hmm. that mine would beat his just because if you take the whole rack into consideration of mass through the tines, through yeah. everything, would. Is uh, Boone and Crockett going to adopt the water displacement? You, you would think. <laughs> Come on, guys. They would have, you would on? think they'd have like a, like a scanner or like a laser oh, yeah. scanner that would scan every part of that. Yes. Maybe in the future, who knows? But water displacement. Yeah, like dropping. Like that, it, yeah, I know exactly you know, what and, you're talking about. But and that's, that's interesting. What people were saying they're like, just because of the mass that carries through the tines, don't even they didn't get any credit, but 
shoot, they're they're as thick as some main beams on a mm-hmm. a mature yeah. deer. Yeah, yeah. I wish we had it in front of us to look at. I today. know. No, I wish. I, I wish I could have put it on the it. plane with you. Yeah. Just set it right in the. But people can come and see it. Yep. Oh yeah. When? That's That's right. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So August twentieth at Rogers Sporting Goods, we're doing our Whitetail Weekend. That's only about a week and a half away from when this podcast when is this airing. Is, yeah. And Dustin will be there yep. with the Huff Buck. And he's going to play uh, some songs, too, because what else do you do in your spare time? You kept uh, talking about Nashville. Yeah. We, we, like, yeah. Yeah. we were talking yeah, about never. deer for so long. We I haven't know. got to what he, you but know. But you're going to be able to see that deer in person. Yes. Yep. So you, you've got to, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that day. But to be able to see a record deer like that in person and yeah. not a picture, totally different. You have to, I tell everybody, pictures don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. You have to put your hands on it and just see it because it's it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes that'll yeah. be cool to see i'm excited oh absolutely mm-hmm. and you're getting a lot of notoriety on that but what you should get some notoriety on is your is your job you do in nashville singer songwriter yeah yeah yep. yep. and how long have you been doing that you, you talked earlier that you used to tour with luke combs and yep you've opened for <sighs> i've opened for travis tritt uh sammy kershaw mm, luke there's been some others. Um, but, yeah, I've been doing that since I was 19 years old, 20 years old, so eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. I've just been traveling and, you know, writing songs. And I, I put out my own songs and uh, write songs for other people in Nashville. And, yep. And you're going to play that weekend, hopefully, some. Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring my guitar oh, and yeah. awesome. pick five or six That'll songs and show the deer off and now it'll be a good time so oh, yeah. looking it up chat um on people whatever spotify whatever you use they just type it in dustin huff yep dustin yep. huff and you can find me on spotify apple music uh anywhere where you stream or buy music it'll be there yeah so this is going out in august is there anything upcoming for you um you yeah, can talk about what's or the no? future that you can tell people that's not a secret so i i have three songs recorded um i recorded them a couple months back um they're going to be released this august um three song ep i think it's it's going to be a good one awesome. i'm excited about one. it yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we were saying outdoors country music they go hand in hand this mm-hmm. is a perfect uh perfect deal for big you. deer and six strings <laughs> that's yeah. right yeah and it's been great getting to know you today and just the story and just a phenomenal. Yeah, it's been I awesome. I love it. Sharing yeah. hunting stories, anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets me excited. We we're out. I know. In the woods. I, we we're I out in the woods about. today, checking. Yeah, stuff we put out. a trail camera. <laughs> we out put today. a trail camera. <laughs> I'm like, hey, welcome, Dustin. You want to go set up some trail cameras? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Dustin approved. Yeah, he did. It was Dustin approved. He did he, find yeah. a trail. So, <laughs> yes. so there, there's a guaranteed wall hanger going to be captured on this camera. Yeah. You know what I was talking yep. about is. We've been talking about, you know, Waterfowl Weekend is, is come and gone now when this airs, but I am all jacked up talking about deer hunting right now, and you start talking about those cool October days oh and man. the leaves well, the changing shape. and the 50 degrees, man, yep. and then walking outside. I'm getting goosebumps talking about oh, it, yeah. literally. This is ridiculous. That's all I, th- it's all I think about, man. It's yeah. <laughs> I'm literally getting goosebumps Being in that right shade today, putting it. that truck camera up, it was like, oh, this is kind of nice. It was, it wasn't it was even fun. That it was it yeah. was limited time out there, but yeah, checking the fence row, seeing yeah. all the deer like, field deer yeah. coming right through here. Yeah, yeah. let's get one right here. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. No, it's so, been it's been a great time. I'm gonna today. have to get the bow out and shoot yeah. this weekend. So recap yeah. though, you know, water or not waterfowl whitetail weekend. Yeah, August twentieth. Yeah, he's gonna be here. 
Yeah, he'll be performance, there. the Huffbuck, all that cool all stuff. That. You can yep. come meet him, talk to him, here all day. Picks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. The cool thing too is, right? He's in the record book. You too can get in the record oh, yeah. book. Yep. How do we, we do will that? Have, How? We're gonna have. I'll tell you. We're <laughs> but wait, have, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> we're gonna have a uh, a team of five official scores that can score your sheds or mounts if you have them. Um, White tail, if you have a mule deer and you want to get that scored because it's the same scoring system, bring that up too. And uh, what's that cost? That's free. Yeah, we did that in 2019 or 2019. Yeah, 2019. 2019, and it was a blast. And we had had a way better turnout. People brought and how much fun it is to see everybody's Mm -hmm. deer too. It doesn't matter, big or small. I want to see them all. So make sure you stop in and and check them in. That's from the scoring will be from 10. The last deer you can drop off to get scored will be at two. If it makes Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett, they can get that sent off for you if you would like to be put in the book. So that's super cool too. Yeah. And we got tons of giveaways and we're gonna have of course it's Roger Sporting Goods, so food truck. we're gonna have food truck and we're gonna have sales and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. I mean yeah. it's just gonna be a phenomenal day. And then, so yeah that afternoon Dustin's gonna play some songs. Well yeah, yeah great. check his deer out, play country play music country songs music. and yeah. tell tell deer stories oh yeah i mean if nothing else that's worth it right that sounds like a good saturday to me that's right it's gonna be a good time no so along with that oh it's gonna be a blast along with that is the white tail world championship and i gotta yes so that yep which we talked about today Mm -hmm. so starting august 1st through september 15th this year you can sign up for the white tail world championship huge deer contest biggest buck killed in the lower 48 mm-hmm. archery contest compound or crossbow crossbow august 1st through september 15th is the sign up and then the competition will start september 15th through january 31st different states have different yeah seasons. within your legal so hunting within your legal hunting season um, and there'll be some links we'll put up on our website i think we have one all as well and you can find all the rules um the big one is you know is your age 19 years and older yep. to no enter. High, but, no high um, fence. What's the winner get? Big grand prize. 5000 in the first place, but we pay out the top five spots. Mm-hmm. And don't, I can't stress this enough, don't be afraid to check in your deer. If you enter the contest, 25 bucks for a chance at five grand, and you kill something, and you're like, I don't know if it's big enough, check it in. There were some guys last year, that would have finished in the top five that didn't choose to check in their deer because they, they didn't, didn't think, think it was going to be big. big yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Isaac White, reigning champion out of Kansas last year, um, and then the previous four years was Evan O'Brien. Yeah, and, and he came and in he second. finished second. Yeah, he's got. He's been yeah. killing some big deer. So, yeah. so um, those guys are ready to defend some of them titles mm-hmm. and. and uh, um, but it, that's a great event too. Yeah. Twenty five dollars. You can $25. sign up online, mm-hmm. yep. and it's five k five to the winner yeah and a free mount and you get a free and mount, a trophy and a trophy mm-hmm. and you can tell and your buddies and show them every time they come over yeah it's it's a great contest yeah yeah so make sure you make sure you get in on that too and if you want to hear more about it too and our whitetail weekend and and you stop by and you want to yep. chat with us we'll tell you more about it in person mm-hmm. as well but yeah. um you can say hi to pat he'll talk to you <laughs> i love talking yes oh, you don't say you don't say <laughs> This is my jam right here. We yeah. just mm-hmm. chat all day. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so Dustin, no. yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, man. Yep. It's been a good time. I oh, appreciate man. y'all. I feel like we could me, go man. on for a whole other part, oh, too. Oh, yeah. 
I didn't have to catch a plane, oh, I would. Yeah. I'd be sitting talking deer hunting all night. Well, down the down the road, a season gets going. You know, oh, you yeah. might be back, and yep. we'll, we'll have to catch up with you. And one see la- how one it's last going. thing, though, moose. You called it moose. I yep. was wondering why you got that name. Because that when I first saw him, when I first saw the antlers, that's all I thought in my head was, "What is a moose doing in Indiana?" In, Indiana. That's all <laughs> I was thinking was moose. You know, well, and a couple of the pictures you've shown me on your phone. The antlers look ridiculous in proportion to the deer. They mm-hmm. really do, especially yeah. head on or from behind or whatever. It yeah. just, he they just look it's ridiculously wide. It's yeah. that big, folks. Yeah. I mean, it and just looks ridiculous. Like when he was walking through the woods, like it looked so unnatural just because he was so huge. Like it, he looks like a cartoon. Like it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Can't wait awesome. to see it in person. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. If anybody is within, like Dustin said, five hours, I mean, it's it's yep. worth yes. driving not only for the sales, but to see the buck and mm-hmm. whatever. It's, yep. It'll be a good time. So, yep. yep. I can't wait. Yep. Thanks again for stopping by. Yeah, hanging out with us for sharing the, day. the story. Yeah. And I yeah. appreciate it. If anybody Treat, wants to us. kill a record, you got to go to the spot you haven't been to in a while, bring yep. a climber and a, a thing of heat wave and yep. just yep. wait. Get you some heat wave, and I guarantee you'll kill a big buck. Yeah. <laughs> or find a good spot awesome. to watch the sunset. So yep. find a good exactly. spot to watch. Right. That's what you you put do. all that together, yes, put I'm all telling that together. you. The trifecta. Yep. Yep. You have a great story. All right. That's right. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, Go ahead and give us a subscribe. That way you're going to get a notification every time we put out a new podcast. Chandler, what else should they do? Go to our uh, social media pages and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, Get a subscribe to YouTube channel. We do uh, product reviews there. And then uh, giveaways is a great part of our social media as well. And then we just want to thank you guys for what you guys do and support us so we can do stuff like this. So thank you.